start to write out your standards, write them out, and then do not negotiate on them. Hold yourself to those standards, hold the people that you work with to those standards, and allow there to be consequences when people don't do what they say they're going to do. Welcome to the Grant Why Show. This podcast helps ordinary real estate agents build extraordinary companies. Let's grow in three, two, Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Grant Wise Show. I'm so excited about my guest today, and this is, I don't know if it'll be one of my favorite conversations. I'm hoping it will. It typically is, but I'm interviewing the one and only, this is Kendall Bonner. Kendall is a top team in her market who started from nothing just a couple of years ago and is now up over 200 sides with no sphere, no Zillow, no of the other types of business or client acquisition that, that some teams have and is way into tech, is a top contributor with Inman and has been one of like, I don't want to say fan, but like one of like the biggest Grant Wise promoters that I've ever met that didn't actually do business with Grant Wise, which I've always really appreciated. She has been referring people to me for years and very, very recently, finally, finally, finally got the chance to start working with Kendall, which I was very grateful for. But Kendall, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Grant. It's my honor, my privilege to be here today. Super excited. You know how much I value and appreciate you. I think you are definitely a pioneer, super smart gentleman who leads with his heart. Those are the kinds of things that I appreciate and value in other leaders. And I, I see you just give, give, give. You know, we run in a lot of the same circles. And so we have these friends in common which also is awesome, but also just speaks to your credibility and just what an awesome contributor to the community that you are. Ah, yes. Thank you so much, Kendall. I uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and appreciate the friendship 1000%. I think I probably should preface this entire show with something I didn't before. I am actually just now getting over some odd cold. So if I sound awful, look awful for those of you that are watching this video back, that's why I'm going to let Kendall do most of the talking, which she should always have the floor to do that anyway. So Kendall, tell us the story. Like your, your growth, I think is phenomenal. And that's what this entire show is about is helping people understand how to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Tell us your story. Like how do you plop into a market, go to zero to 200 transactions in virtually no time? with no sphere, no this, no that, no other. I mean, these are like really in, incredible and not necessarily normal growth stories. Tell us your extraordinary story. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, what's funny for me is I don't really think that, especially Grant, you know, the friends that we have, you know, the people that we know, it's hard to think of myself as extraordinary in any fashion. But I will say this, a lot of my friends and peers and colleagues that have They've all been doing this for quite some time. And so they deserve every ounce of success um, that they have achieved. And so I think what I'm most proud of in my, this part of my business, this part of my career is that I, I did the thing that I think most people forget to do, which is a superpower that I've, I think I picked up from my mother. When my mom um, was raising me as a teenager, my mom would always drop these little, I call them like wisdoms. And she would say, probably one of the biggest pieces of advice she gave me when I was probably 15, 16 years old, she said, 
you don't have to make the mistake to learn the lesson. And meaning that you don't have to always like, you know, do make all the mistakes. Like if you pay attention to the people around you, you can learn from them, both the things they do well, as well as the things that they don't do very well, right? Or the mistakes that they make. So one of the first things I did when I started to grow my business was I went and asked all my friends, what are you doing? You know, tell me about your business. Break it down for me. What what tools are you using? What systems? You know, what does your avatar agent look like? Like I was asking them, you know, I had a whole interview with several of them. Like I'm talking 30, 30, 40 minutes of just Q&A of me digging deep into their business and their teams and what they were doing well and where they were making mistakes. And so I literally wrote notes, pages and pages of notes um, as a part of my research for starting my team. And so that I think really, really, really helped me figure out like, what did, what did I want, right? What did I like about what they were doing? And what was the thing about their business that I was like, oh yeah, that's not going to work for me. I don't think that's the direction I want to go in. To the point of my team, just to kind of give clarity on the team, like how it started and where it's at today. I've been a broker owner for 10 years, right? Um, I had owned my own uh, Remax franchise since 2014. And so I had gotten out of sales uh, shortly after becoming a broker owner with a focus on running the brokerage. And so my husband had wanted me to start team for years. Um, he just understood that teams had the potential to be more profitable than a brokerage. And he also was like, hey, I want a little bit more control on the business aspect. I want to be able to really kind of build out all the systems and processes that I think a successful agent on a team would need in order to actually, you know, do really well. And so he always used to say like, brokerages provide training, but it's like a 30,000 foot view. He said, and it's up to the agent to bring it the rest of the way down to the ground. And he said, agents often struggle. We both thought agents often struggle with that, right? It's hard when you're a salesperson to put together all the details, to write out all, all the marketing pieces, all the processes, then do the work, then be the agent and be the caregiver that you need to be, be the therapist that you need to be. It's like real estate professional has about 50 jobs through each transaction. And so we thought, you know what, if we could build a team that brings the systems and processes all the way down to the ground, take over or manage some of the pieces that most agents typically don't enjoy doing, right? Um, so they can focus on the pieces they do enjoy doing. That could be a winning combination for both the admin side of the business as well as the agent side of the business. So when we started our team, my biggest challenge was envisioning a team where I was not in sales because I refused to step away from the part that I really loved, which was coaching agents, talking to agents, helping them be the real MVPs, right? Because um, I knew that if I got into sales again, it would become back about me. And that was something I really didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the agent on the team and how I could help them change their life through this vehicle of real estate. So that was really important to me. So and talking to my friends and getting that intel, right? <laughs> um, it was, it really helped me to create a, a framework and a structure and a vision 
that I could actually get behind, which, like I said, growing that team, we started with no sphere of influence. I brought in baby agents or underperforming agents. We taught them how to prospect and um, take online leads that we had um, procured and help them convert them um, and get them closed. And we did it without, like I said, Zillow, or like you said, Zillow, we did it without buying um, portal leads. We did it through, like I say, all things Google. We didn't even buy social media leads either. That was also something we weren't doing back then. So we've expanded all of our marketing today. Still not a Zillow Flex uh, team or anything like that, but um, you know, we're, we've expanded and, and grateful for, for the growth that we've had over the couple of years. That's absolutely amazing. I, I think I, one of the things that I love the most is like well, something you said early on uh, is the advice that your mom gave you is that I heard this quote before and it was like, this, this hey, dumb people don't learn from their mistakes. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Geniuses learn from the mistakes of others. <laughs> and I don't know what it was about my upbringing, but we had to make the mistakes and learn the lessons the hard ways. And then I've slowly been able to work that out of my psychology. Thank the Lord that I can now just learn from other people's mistakes and avoid pitfalls that you absolutely will fall into from a business standpoint. It's one of the reasons I love doing podcasts because you're graciously coming into a room and you're sharing lessons that you've learned throughout the process. Hopefully the people that are watching are taking notes they can take the lessons that you learned along the way and they can avoid hitting some of those potholes. I think it's incredible. And I love your story and just the motives behind the activity, I think is incredible. When we look at you building such a significant business in such a short time through online leads, but in a way that like you're in control, not that you're buying portal and somebody else is in control what would you say were probably some of the things that you were like, okay, if you're going to go buy online leads because you you want to grow your organization the way that I did, avoid mistakes number one, two, three. Like, What are some of the mistakes that people can make when they go to start growing their business through online leads that they could avoid based off of your experience? Yeah. Okay. So one thing I can think of off the top of my head, because we were so focused on converting online leads, we really robbed our agents of thinking about their sphere. So I would say don't abandon sphere of influence for online leads, right? We did that. So now it's like two years later, I'm like, man, we probably could have done a much better job focusing on the clients we did close, like past clients and sphere of influence and building systems around that earlier than we did. We're just now starting to prioritize that. So I would say that's one mistake. So while you're building one, don't abandon the other. And maybe that's not even an issue for you because you probably already work in your sphere. Unlike me, I remember I'd been out of the game, um, the real estate game for quite some time. So in all my sphere, I used to just take those leads when they came in, I gave them to the agents in my brokerage, right? So I would just hand those off. I, I didn't personally continue to nurture them. So um, that's one mistake I made. Another mistake um, that I made was like, especially for a chick like me, who's total nerd, you know, despite, I don't know what people think about me, but I will tell you, I am indeed a nerd. <laughs> I love tech, right? So I will like, New technology. I mean, I get approached all the time to beta test product and, um, you know, test this, tell us what you think, use it. 
So I was constantly wanting to reintroduce technology or introduce new technology to my team. And I would like get all excited. And then sometimes I would move on to the next thing. Well, a lesson I learned from my husband was stop and focus. Like don't employ a new technology till the one you recently employed is fully indoctrinated into your company and into your team, right? Um, you have to give things time to marinate and simmer and like become part of the culture before you move on to the next thing. So if you're anything like me and you move fast and you like new ideas and you like that fast paced life, slow down would be another um, lesson. Third lesson I would say is, um, and I didn't, I do this now, but I didn't do this in the beginning. Stop and document, um, write things down, write down your systems, write down your processes. Um, if you are not, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Number one, I've been saying that for years. I'm a lawyer. So like that is part of ingrained in me, but it was something that I wasn't doing at the level I do it today, which is, you know, documenting processes, building out a system that is something that if you bring in another human, they can step into it, read, you know, um, read or watch a video, whatever, however you articulate the steps, but they have a process to follow. I would say that would be another mistake to avoid. And I think that's a common mistake most agents make is they're not documenting along the way. And it's really hard to go backwards than it is to just do it from the beginning. A thousand percent. You've got to build around your wins. And if you're not doing that, it's really, 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 really difficult because you have so many people that will come in and be like, oh, my agents, I do this all the time. We step into the teams. I step in as a fractional CMO and we'll consult on marketing, advertising, sales. And it's like, well, tell me about your sales process and then the, or show me your sales process. And people will start describing it to me verbally. It's like, no, no, no. I, like, I get that you understand it, but like, where is it? Where can we see what's written down? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We don't have anything like that. And I'm like, what? No, we can't do that, man. That's <laughs> your business will crumble if you try to verbally communicate systems and processes. Everybody needs a document in their hand that they could read from that becomes their Bible for doing business in your organization. The verbal stuff is coaching. You know, it's okay to coach people, spot coach people based on where they need to develop their skill sets. Yeah. But I always try to ask two questions. Do we have a people problem or do we have a process problem? Well, most agents that try to pass off responsibility to other people think that they have a people problem. And it's like, but where, show me your process. And I'm like, well, here's the process. And they'll do it themselves, but it's not written down anymore. Like, oh, no, no, no. You don't have a people problem. You have a process problem. And you can burn through employees and agents and VAs and all types of staff because you think that they're the problem when the reality is you are. Like you've not written this thing down that's crucial to your success. You've not built anything around your wins and that's not good. It's not uh, It's not a good way. I'm so glad that you said this because I think that we, I probably attract a lot of more visionary types. I'm a visionary, you're a visionary. And we need counterparts to us in business because we always do want to move fast. We always do want to break things. We always don't understand why stuff isn't already done. <laughs> All the stuff that you described um, as like pitfalls, I think it's beautiful because it's totally the counterpart to the way that I think our brains work. How important 
has it been for you having somebody like your husband in the organization that is more of like an operator's mindset that that could help you do what it is that you're doing? <laughs> okay, so um, it's like the best and the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's never, not ever really the worst. You know what? It, it's actually taught me so much. I will definitely credit probably the two most influential people in my life, uh, in my physical world are my husband and my mother. And, you know, my mother's now passed away and uh, she, she never got to see this. Like everything, my brokerage, everything that I've built was basically after my mom passed away or after she was so sick, she wouldn't even, even begin to recognize like what was happening. So I believe she's looking down from heaven, like super proud of us, but her influence in my life and her, her aspirations for me to be an entrepreneur alongside of my husband's, because my husband was always going to be an entrepreneur. Um, I never wanted to be one, to be honest. And you know, it's the two of them that lead me to who I am today. Right. Um, but having my husband in the business with me has been both a pain and a joy, right? Cause he challenges me and, you know, like no one else. <laughs> right. So he calls me to be greater, which is not a bad thing, but then he also thinks, sees things from a different perspective. And so that's this constant, like, tug of war that we have between the, we'll say like the logic, although I'm, we're both very logical people, we have some traits in common, but like he can be very less empathetic, I'll say than I am, right? In the business of sales, empathy is required. <laughs> and so it's like, we'll have tug of wars based on things like that. We'll have tug of wars based on, you know, he really likes structure and organization and I'm a planner, but I'm not, you know, like I, I have a short attention span, right? I think I have like ADHD or something because after a little bit, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. So it's a much harder for me to stay focused long-term. Like I can do focus for a period of time, but like, I don't, it's a challenge for me to do a long-term, whereas that man can do deep work for long periods of time. He can be very disciplined and he can be very specific about how he thinks things should be. So those are all great qualities and those are all extreme blessings to our business. They just always, um, sometimes they butt heads with like my nature and my natural <laughs> instinct to do things. But the good thing is, is that after, gosh, our daughter is going to be 17 in a few months. So after 17 years of working together, I think we've mastered it and we're still married 20 years later, you know, and over 20 years now, and we work better together today than we ever did. So it's something that we've evolved into and, um, we've learned to pick and choose our battles. But I think, you know, that is a hard thing for a visionary and an integrator to work together because sometimes the, just the way that they think, the way they operate is in conflict with one another, but that's also why you need it. You should never be the business operator or owner that wants everyone around you that just says, yes, yes, yes. You never want to be the business operator who doesn't have people in their business challenging you, um, 
you know, encouraging you to be better, um, encouraging you to think twice about, even if you're not wrong about something, it's never um, a bad thing to think it again and think through it and make sure that the decision you're making or the move you're making is the best one for your business. We should never not want that in our business. We should want more people like that in our business because, you know, iron sharpens iron and the cream will rise to the top. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think that visionaries often, you know, we talk about how our, you know, we're constantly wanting to go. We have this lack of focus because we like the new things. Um, there's probably people listening to this that may have even experienced this in the past. I know I have where it's like you get something all the way to the finish line, it's working, but then you kind of like veer off and go start focusing on something else. And that thing just kind of like dies in your organization. And it's like, why is that not working as well as it used to? It was working so good. And since I started focusing on this other thing, it's not working well. And it leads to this huge roller coaster where agents and team leaders are like, I just feel like I can never get things off the ground because once they get to a place, they just kind of die after it. And I don't think they realize that they're missing a person in their organization that is like your husband. As frustrating as the relationship is, I've got integrators in my life and they drive me nuts because I'm like, no, let's just go. No, let's do this. No, let's do that. And they're like, no, you need to calm down because we've got we to get this stuff right. And it's like, eh. But there's, there's so much value in what they contribute to an organization and its growth, but even more so to its sustainability, to its sustained growth. Because I talk to so many people that are like, I, I get this thing and it's like, it's working. And then we just stop. And it's like, well, you started focusing on something else and you didn't have somebody operationalize the thing that was working in your business so that it would always work for you. Two biggest problems I see in business. Number one is understanding how to get customers. And then number two is understanding how to operationalize the act of getting customers so that it always happens for you. So if you're listening to this, you're like, oh man, I may need somebody like Kendall's husband. The the truth is it's probably 100% accurate. I think we all probably need somebody like Kendall's husband to be in our lives and to help us, you know, push this thing to the edge. So push this thing to the finish line. So Kendall, I cannot tell you how much I've appreciated you being here today and adding value and just kind of winding down what, what is what you would say, just like one thing that if somebody was listening to this, like, how do I go from extraordinary or ordinary to extraordinary? What's like the first step I need to take? What would you say is, you know, maybe a critical step somebody could take to really start to transform their business uh, from a growth standpoint? Excellent question. Um, I think that if I were to give someone advice, like it would, it would honestly frame back from a, one of my favorite quotes. And if you, if anyone's ever heard me speak before, I probably bring this quote up all the time, but, um, and actually there's two. So I'll pick the one that I think, uh, I probably have said the least that I think is just equally as important, which is a quote by Keith Huntingham. It was from a book I read called the road less stupid. And it's a business book. You should go read it if you're in business. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. He said, the quality of your life is a direct reflection of what you make non-negotiable. And to me, why that's symbolic. And I said this on stage at uh, Built How, um, a conference uh, sponsored by Place. And Chris uh, Suarez 
actually heard that quote from me and went and extrapolated and wrote like a beautiful blog about it. And honestly, he was even more insightful than where I had taken it. Like he even got me to think more deeply about that. And the reason why I bring this up from a tactical place is because before you can get tactical, you also have to get practical, <laughs> like in your mindset. And, um, you know, one of the things that we we do is we are constantly renegotiating with ourselves. So it's like we create standards and then we renegotiate those standards down to whatever the lowest base possible is. And so that's not a formula for success. Like going backwards, going renegotiating with yourself is not going to take you to the next level. You've got to get more disciplined with not negotiating with yourself once you create a standard. So what I would say from a practical standpoint is, or tactical, is start to write out your standards. Write them out and then do not negotiate on them. Hold yourself to those standards. Hold the people that you work with to those standards and allow there to be consequences when people don't do what they say they're going to do. Because that is probably the best form of love and care and accountability you could ever have with someone is getting them to stop renegotiating with themselves. So that would be my tactical, practical tip. I think that's phenomenal. And I could not possibly agree with what you said any more than I do is so spot on. And I think that it's so applicable to everybody, no matter where you are at what phase of your life or business, your faith, your finances, your fitness, like you could take what you've just learned from Kendall and apply that to any area of your life. And it would make a whole lot of sense. That is one of my favorite books, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. If you're listening to this, that is a real book. I'll link down below in the show where you could click to go grab that if you wanted to. It is actually a really good book too. Keith Cunningham if I'm not mistaken, I mean, he used to run around with, and maybe still does with Tony Robbins. He would lead sessions at Business Mastery and, and different events that Tony would put on. Uh, incredible, incredible business mind. So Kendall, you are an incredible business mind. I am so grateful that I have a relationship with you. And I'm so grateful that I get to see you often at events. You're always so nice, so kind. And uh, it's no wonder you've had so much success. I appreciate you stopping by the show and adding value to the people listening. And uh, we'll definitely make sure that we link up all the ways that you can connect with Kendall in the show notes. So thank you again, Kendall, for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Grant. And thank you to your audience. Appreciate you guys. Go crush the day. You got this. And I'm honored to be here. So thank you. Oh, thank you again. And thank you all for continuing to listen to The Grant Wise Show. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Grant Wise Show. Please don't forget to subscribe to this channel, leave us a review, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks.